good morning, good morning, and good morning, and welcome to another episode of Popping Off with Phil, the podcast. It is Tuesday morning, uh, and we're here again. Tuesday comes so quickly, and I'm normally very excited about Tuesdays, like literally, I'm like, I anticipate Tuesdays because I know that I'm going to podcast, but this week was difficult because unlike weeks past, um, I really was at a loss for inspiration about what I wanted to talk about this week. Um, Earlier when I started the podcast, I had this whole grand idea of, you know, different segments. And ironically enough, when I decided that I was going to speak a little bit about what's been going on in the media this past week with the suicide of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, it reminded me of a story of my father which is pretty much what I want to talk about uh, or what I want to transition to. So not to get before myself. First, I'd like to say that we as people of color oftentimes categorize certain things as not our problem. And suicide and mental health are definitely two of those things that we don't look at as issues of our community. Um... I personally don't know, well, let's say this. I do know of some people who have committed suicide before, but they weren't necessarily people that I was close to, but definitely people that I knew. Um, Classmates from elementary, middle school. Um, uh, Definitely some people that I went to college with. I even have a cousin who committed suicide in her early 20s. But it's a person that I I unfortunately never got an opportunity to meet because our grandparents, our grandmothers actually were sisters and uh, she lived in California. So there's a a huge faction of my family that I just don't know very well because they've lived on the other side of the country all of my life and even before then. But, um, you know, suicide is one of those things, especially we talk about it in church. You know, that whole concept of committing suicide is a sin. Like if you kill yourself, you can't get to heaven. And so I think that we're, we've been indoctrinated that it doesn't happen. And when it does happen, you know, it's something that we kind of just kind of brush under the rug and same thing with mental illness. And, and, And on the flip side, mental health, being mentally healthy, you know, we all have relatives that we have categorized as crazy and unstable and you know that's just the way Junebug is and you know Junebug probably has you know bipolarism or deals with uh, uh, identity disorder or you know or schizophrenic or whatever the case is but we just throw them in this pile of somebody who just ain't together you know uh, when I was growing up we you know people would say oh he's just he's slow or he's retarded you know what I'm saying um even if it wasn't directly attached to like a learning disability, you know, that's just the categories that everybody was kind of slumped into. And so we really don't address the issue of mental illness or mental health or suicide. I've been seeing a lot of posts going around talking about checking on your strong friend, checking on your strong friend. And I've also seen some counter posts that's like, you know, it's not just about your strong friend, it's any friend. Um, we all at different points in our lives deal with anxiety and depression um many of us don't ever have to deal with chronic uh 
displays of those disorders in terms of anxiety and depression is typically slumps depending on what's going on in our lives you know you don't get the job you want your relationship isn't going well you know someone in your family is sick or you're sick um school isn't going well you know that incites depression and anxiety um but there are a lot of people who are suffering from these chronic disorders these yo-yo type deals where it's like from day to day it's it's a higher low you know and that's typically associated with some type of mental illness that goes undocumented and untreated and you know that just is just that just ain't the business i think that we need to do a better job of identifying behaviors that seem abnormal um and when we get to a place in our lives such as adulthood where we are fully functioning and formed individuals who have insurance whether it be good or mediocre um but some access to things that we take advantage of it i didn't know at my company that we had an eap program that grants you for uh visits free so if you're a person who has access to that at your company and you're apprehensive about uh seeing a therapist then i think utilizing your eap program would be ideal because it gives you an opportunity to test the water and doesn't cost you anything you know it is a service provided through your company because they understand that mental health is important um i also have other friends who are like i'm not going to therapists telling that person all my business let me assure you <laughs> um therapists are vaults it uh, there's 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 privilege information you don't have to worry about it if you have if you've ever had a secret and you've ever told any friend of yours, it is not safe. <laughs> um, and I don't say that to alarm people or to, you know, to be just talking out the side of my neck. Like literally, like even if your friend ain't told anybody in your immediate circle, they've definitely told somebody. And they may not have referenced you as the person dealing with this particular issue, but they've told somebody. And, you know, things are safe at your therapist you know you I'm not saying it's easy I got lucky and when I started seeing my therapist um right before I turned 25 because in my mind I was like I'm gonna be 30 in five years and there are some th you know I don't want to walk into my 30s crazy um so let me get <laughs> some things in order and you know it was it was it was different because therapy requires work and you have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to unpack those things. You have to be willing to go to those places that you have subconsciously buried or um, you know, you've kind of ignored. Uh, you have to be willing to be triggered and be able to work through those processes. Um, but you have to be willing to do the work because my therapist told me very early on, I'm not here to fix your problems. That's not what therapists do. I am here to help you figure out healthy ways to come to some conclusions and some solutions on your own. And that's what therapy is about. It's a process. Um, and it's an unpacking process. And it's looking at something and saying, oh, I really didn't think this was a big deal. But it certainly has had a very strong impact <laughs> on who I am and how I think and how I react or don't react to certain things. Um, but it's for everybody. Um, I grew up in church and, you know, we pray about everything. 
And there is a thought process that, you know, therapy is not good or, or, or not the greatest thing, you know, because you got God. You know, why would you need a therapist when you have God? And I remember talking to my dad when I was mentioning to him that I was going to therapy. He said, well, how long is this going to last? You know, as if it, you know, it had a specific timetable. Like, oh, I'm going to go to therapy for about three weeks and see how things work out. And, um, you know, it, it, it came to a place where, you know, he asked me more questions about it because there was someone else in our family who he thought would benefit from therapy. And, you know, it, it got to a point where he was like, I don't think that I can help this person along any further I, I've been praying and I will continue to pray but I believe that there needs to be some other <laughs> intercessory thing going on and therapy ended up being the the the, the answer um, man listen over the last year I've encountered two individuals who have mentioned to me um, in multiple conversations um, you know ideas of suicide and as a person who considers himself to be extremely compassionate and, and, and extremely empathetic because I have never had ideations of suicide um, but I know plenty of people who have it's heart-wrenching because I, you know my first response is I'm not equipped for this and I don't want to say anything or not say something that will be some type of emotional trigger that puts this person in a bad space. And so my solution has been, yes, hear this person out. Um, yes, try to make this person laugh. Yes, try to get this person to see that there is worth in themselves. Um, and ultimately, I have offered the suicide hotline. Like, I think you should call. Um, it's, op- it's, it's, it's available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's no judgment. And, and these people are equipped because they, they, they experience and deal with this stuff every day. I, I don't feel like I'm that person. I will listen, but I really do believe that you should speak to someone. And, and both of those individuals have vehemently turned me down. Like, this is bullshit. I'm not calling. And I'm like, no, but please call. And part of it is, is because I don't want to have... Honestly, I don't want to have that on my conscience, you know? And so I'm trying to, my attempt is to just push that person to actually begin to actual, actually speak about it. Because I feel like at the point where you start to communicate to somebody that this is something you're thinking that you're contemplating, it is a crime. It is, I need help. I need somebody to listen. And so I'm going to be a listening ear and a, and a shoulder to cry on. But, you know, all of those things have, have sunrises and sunsets. And at some point, you're going to need somebody who has, uh, you know, a little bit more finesse (laughs) in this particular subject. And so I encourage all of us to, you know, check in on people, you know, things that don't seem normal um, to to make notice of and and also check in with yourself. And things that don't seem normal about you. Say, hey, you know, is something going on? Do I need to talk to somebody? It, it, it doesn't cost you anything to look into the process of therapy. And it could save your life. Uh, it could save your life. So that kind of segues me into 
my first experience with a therapist, which happened when I was no more than 10 or 11 years old, um, because my middle brother was a baby and my youngest brother wasn't even born yet. But me, I've always been an antagonist. And I admittedly used to give my father the, the blues. And um, we were having a conversation one day, and me being who I am, because I've always been this person, I was like, well, you, you know what? Maybe I am crazy. Maybe, I, you know what? Maybe I do need to talk to somebody. You know, everybody talk about therapy. Maybe I need to go to therapy, work out some issues. Not really my issues, but your issues. You and my mama's issues, because y'all got issues. This is literally me at 10 or 11. And so, you know, me being who I am, it was a conversation we had. We moved on. I didn't think nothing about it. Well, senior, which is what I affectionately call my dad, thanks to my best friend, Steven. Um, it was, you know, he would normally come pick me up on Friday, Friday evenings. And I would stay through the weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, um, and come back home Sunday for school. And he picked me up Friday night, and we're around the house, and he's like, we have an appointment in the morning. It's pretty early, so you might want to go to bed. I'm like, an appointment for what? You know what I'm saying? Because normally it's like, we have a doctor's appointment. You know, these are things that you know. These are things that you communicate, because he would tell my mom, like, yeah, I'm definitely going to come pick up Phil this weekend, because we got the, we got dentist appointment, we got this, or whatever the case is. So we broke up early that morning. I'm like, where are we going? You know? Um, I don't remember if we had breakfast before or after. I think we probably had breakfast after. But anyway... We're, we're going to this doctor's office. So we get to this office and it's a therapist. And we go in and we sit down and, you know, therapist's like, so why are we here today? I'm shocked, like in shock. Like, I don't really know why I'm here because I was just, you know, bullshitting. This is what I'm thinking in my head, but not really. Because I don't know if I was saying bullshitting at that time, but I was definitely like, I don't really know why we're here. And so my dad was basically like, listen, um, I want to be a good dad. And, you know, he he mentioned therapy. And so I decided I was going to bring him. You know, maybe there is something I'm missing. And so let's have this conversation. So me, my dad, my brother um, are all in this room talking to this therapist, having this conversation. You know, he asked me a little, a few questions about like, you know, my living situation. Of course, I live with my mom. I live with my dad on the weekends. My dad's remarried. I have a little brother. So obviously, I think he asked me questions about, you know, how do you feel like, you know, having a stepmom. How do you feel about having a brother? You know, at that point, I'm like, cool, cool, whatever, it's fine. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, great. And so then he asked my dad to step out. And he was like, so why are we really here? And I was like, I, you know, I really, I, I don't know, sir. Uh, I really don't have an answer. Um, But it proves, or it does prove that, or at least it proved to me that, you know, it wasn't something to be played with. It, it was people who seriously had things that they needed to work out. And, and, and that's why they were there. And we never talked about it again. I never had another visit again. Um, that was it. You know, it was literally just like that what you would consider a consultation to go see if you really need therapy and the therapist pretty much concluded you're just being a kid and mostly you're being an asshole you don't really need therapy uh you know you know if you feel like you ever do come into a situation where you do you know give me a call I'm here to help but um it really goes to show something I can recognize now that I didn't recognize then that I really had an awesome and I have an awesome dad And so that helps to segue into this next segment because Father's Day is coming up. 
And Father's Day, unlike Mother's Day, is, <laughs> you know, uh, black women always say that they're the most disrespected, you know, one of the most disrespected faction of people. <laughs> Father's Day is one of the most disrespected holidays. It, it truly is. Um, and not to lessen the plight of a black woman, but just to give you an example to juxtapose. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Father's Day is one of those holidays where people are like, oh, it's Father's Day this weekend? I didn't know. And and oftentimes, over the last couple of years, and I don't know why this has bothered me so, but it really has. On Father's Day, instead of honoring and saluting those men, whether they be our fathers and grandfathers and uncles or cousins or brothers or husbands or uh, spouses or partners, um, or honoring just other men that we know, it tends to be this dis, disfest <laughs> or yeah, this disfest. That's right. This disfest of of men that we categorize as ain't shit deadbeat. And so instead of the men that are good men getting shine and being celebrated on this holiday, you see a lot of bashing. And it's exhausting because I feel like it totally flips the holiday. You know, you don't deal with that on Mother's Day. And although there might not be in terms of numbers and percentages, as many deadbeat moms as there are deadbeat dads, they do exist. And people don't use or seize that opportunity to say, you know, my mama wasn't shit. But Father's Day, it's like chronic. You know, my dad, my mama, my, my mama is my daddy. <laughs> um, and I ain't had no daddy and blah, 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 this, blah, blah, that. And I really just would like us to change the narrative. Um, because we're in control of that. We are in control of that. And it doesn't have to be that type of day. You know? So your dad wasn't around. You know? But you, you made it out all right. There, were, there, there, there had to have been someone there. You know? Um, whether you know it or you don't. There was somebody there. Somebody in the background making sure that your, maybe that your single mom had some of the things that she didn't have. You know? There was an uncle. There was a cousin. There was a grandfather. There was a coach. Um... There's somebody. And I feel like we take that one thing away from them because fathers are just not lauded. They are not celebrated on a large scale, even the good ones. And that's definitely something I had to come to terms with as I became an adult. That as a child, I spent a lot of time fighting my dad. Um, and I was in a battle that wasn't mine. It was literally the emotions and the, 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 the pain of my mother that was being pushed to me. You know, that allowed me to express frustrations in a very unhealthy and disrespectful way. Um, and those are things that I literally had to unpack piece by piece in therapy as an adult. Because I went back to therapy, again, like I said, right before my 25th birthday. And I've been in therapy off and on since that point. And it has been a, and a, it's been, it's, I can't even describe the experience because I have been through some shit <laughs> that, that I would not have been able to go through and, and, and manage so well had it not been for therapy. One of those things being the passing of my mother. 
the other thing being the passing of her sister my aunt less than two years later um and just other things in life you know the loss of friends you know loss of classmates you know I have friends who didn't make it to 30 I have friends who didn't make it to 25 and so therapy has certainly been been instrumental oh the loss of my grandfather uh you know dealing with the loss of my grandmother my mom's mom when I was in high school you know even dealing with the loss of my grandmother my dad's mom when I was eight you know therapy allowed me to deal with all of those things and and call them what they were and um it honestly strengthened the relationship that me and my father have today because I realized through therapy and through just growing up and becoming a man that I'm definitely one of the lucky ones or one of the blessed ones in the sense of I have an awesome dad and not just my dad but his dad and his brothers my uncles and then when you flip to my mom's side my uncle and my cousins I've seen it you know I've seen it you know you can't I, there's no deadbeats there you know there's no deadbeats there even those who may have been absent for an extended period of time because of poor choices still maintain presence a presence in their children's lives and so I have a lot of examples of the good and I know that that probably makes me a little biased but um man listen trust and believe there's somebody out there working really, really hard to make sure that their child has everything that they didn't have, and then some. Um, they're trying to make sure that their child is well-adjusted and able to combat the trials and tribulations of this life. Um, and they come in the form of fathers. And I know plenty, not just in my family, but I know a, a significant amount of single dads, which as a child, I had never heard of. Didn't even know that that was possible. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just... It wasn't something you saw. You always saw people's mothers. You very rarely saw a single dad coming to a conference or coming to an event to support their child. So I didn't know that that was a thing. But as an adult, I've seen it constantly. I've seen several examples. I have a cousin, um, a former trainer, single fathers, you know, um, with daughters, no, no less, trying to figure out the best ways to navigate their their children through this space you know and and those girls go through things because although boys need their fathers and I believe that children need both parents if possible but you know daughters need their mothers you know they're just things that they go through in life um that they're looking to relate to somebody on and and they don't always feel like they can relate to those things with their dads and so, you know, these men are challenged constantly <laughs> with trying to figure out ways to have those conversations or or at least place pe- persons in, in these young girls' lives so that those conversations can be had in a way where they feel safe and they feel comfortable. And I just don't think that they're given enough credit. So, um, all, all of this ties in together <laughs> with, you know, mental health to me. Um, because my, my first experiences of seeing a mental health professional was because my dad 
felt it necessary. You know, and that's just an example of his love and his support and his understanding of his very, very, very dramatic child. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's something that could have gone unanswered. It's something that could have gone unnoticed. And it could have given me this idea um, that therapy wasn't helpful. And because of that experience, there wasn't any hesitation about seeing a therapist in my adult life to sort through some of the things that I thought needed to be sorted through. And that's a blessing. And I'm grateful to mental health professionals (laughs) as well as my dad. So these are just things to think about as we approach another holiday and also as we are reminded because of what's going on in the greater society as it pertains to suicide. If the death of Kate Spade and the death of Anthony Bourdain doesn't teach us anything, it should definitely let us know that money, wealth, fame, celebrity does not solve the issues of isolation and depression and mental illness and anxiety and you know just that feeling of just not not connecting with the world or with your family none of those things matter because you can buy a lot of things with money and and you could you could put on a happy face. You know, I, even I was watching an interview with Anthony Bourdain when he was seeing a therapist and he was like, I should be happy. I have everything, but I'm not. You know, that's something that we take for granted because we often say uh, those individuals on the other side of the spectrum who are not wealthy, <laughs> uh, if I had this, if I had this, I would be better off. But I think that we take for granted peace of mind. We take for granted people that love us, people who understand us. We take for granted um, not dealing with depression. We take for granted not dealing with anxiety or definitely dealing with it in doses that can be treated. Um, Because we, who don't have money, believe that money does solve all things. And the reality of the situation is it does not. So just food for thought. Uh, Don't just check on your strong friends. Check on all your friends, black, white, otherwise, male or female. Um, young or old Uh, if you have an EAP program where you work look into it Um, it is a great way to see if therapy works for you it is a great way to see if um, to to kind of figure out what type of therapist you need (laughs) you know do you need a licensed professional counselor do you need a therapist Uh, do you need a psychiatrist or a psychologist do you need a psychoanalyst you know to figure those things out because they're important and also um, find a way to honor a great man this weekend it doesn't have to be your father your grandfather or your husband or someone that you're immediately connected to but we all know somebody we all know a dad out there doing his best You know, he may not have much, but he's doing what he can to make sure that he provides for his family and to make sure that his children have a a very consistent and present idea of 
of him and of being loved and those things go a long way for both boys and girls um so yeah that's it that's all i got today i <laughs> i don't know it feels weird i feel like i don't know last week's episode was totally different but i felt compelled to share this story i felt compelled to share my story um i felt compelled to be open because i think it's something that we should talk about and i still love jesus um and i still sing hymns and i and i will still see my therapist and tell her about church so <laughs> um make it a terrific tuesday make sure to look up for me on different platforms and and anchor is amazing because it's constantly adding other ways to hear my podcast so i'm tapping into audiences that i don't even know exist you know maybe someone is looking for a new podcast and runs across my bright smile and say let me give this joker a shot you know what i'm saying so that's great but continue to tell your friends to share my podcast um mostly at google play it's available it's available on uh apple's platform podcast it's available on the anchor app um there's a couple of other places that i'm not familiar with because they i literally got emails this week that's like your podcast is not available here and it's not available here some of them are paid sites and some of them are free sites but you know if you've been listening to me here and this is a platform that works for you continue to listen continue to offer your feedback um continue to throw at me ideas like me because i have weeks like this where i'm stumped you know is there something that you are curious about my position on hey shoot me a text shoot me an email uh send me a voice message and anchor and, and let me know what these things are and we can talk about them we can discuss them anyway again have a terrific tuesday thanks for tuning in peace